Coming to you from Helping Our Music Evolve in Nashville, this is the Quinn Spin. Hey now! And welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, to a brand new edition of the Quinn Spin. I'm your host, the Quinn. We are here at Helping Our Music Evolve once again. Double the pleasure here in 2020, double the episodes of 2019. You just heard all I've become from our good friends on Long Island. That's Revel 9. That's been our opening theme song since pretty much the beginning of time and probably will be till the end of time. So we got a long way to go till that happens, hopefully. But anyway, we uh, have Jason Threm in the studio who does so many things. He's a songwriter, he's a producer, an engineer, a musician himself, and we're going to shoot the breeze all day here today. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So as we went over before the show, I ask every guest of the show three standard questions, and you can answer these however you like. Those three questions are, who are you, what do you do, and why on earth would you want to come on the Queen Spin? All right, so uh, my name is Jason Threm, as you said, and I am uh, primarily a producer and a songwriter here in town, as well as a saxophone player and a touring musician. Uh, I've worn a lot of hats, as we all have a tendency to do in mm-hmm. this industry. Uh, I am here, we sort of met through Elizabeth Beckwith, who had yes. been on the Quinn Spin before, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it just caught my eye. I got listening to some things, got into what you were doing. You and I had a really good conversation a couple months back, and we were like, well, hey, we should do this uh, yeah. on the radio, which well, is what podcasts are now. Literally, <laughs> I'm like, you know, this is pretty much like the type of conversation that I have with guests on the show. You should come on it. <laughs> and we set up a time, and here we are. Well, yeah, and I, I love the business and the the whole music industry and just getting to talk about it. It's like, this is what I and meant to do, and I'm excited about it. I'm glad you're excited about it, so let's talk about it. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. So I guess that covers the third question, is why on earth would you want to come on? So thank you for coming on the show. Very excited to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So let's start from the beginning for you. Influences, but not just artists, you know, so people, places, experiences. You're from the Cincinnati area originally. Mm -hmm. So talk about how all of that kind of goes into the pot, right? And it has inspired you to pursue the path that you have. Absolutely. I uh, I am fortunate to have grown up with parents that were very forward-thinking and open, and at about 13 years old, I figured out that I wanted to be a musician, and they took that right in stride. Uh, I didn't fight them on it. They were like, okay, you want to be a musician? Well, by 14, I was in private instruction and playing professional jazz shows, and I sort of came up through the Cincinnati jazz and blues scenes. Uh, originally jazz with a group called the Bertharian Ensemble. Those guys were uh, wonderful friends of mine. Ryan Wells played saxophone and taught me for years. Uh, And then uh, the blues scene specifically with a just fantastic and Cincinnati local legend guitar player named Sonny Mormon, Mm -hmm. who uh, really took me in when I was like, yeah, I'm serious about this. And Mm -hmm. sort of gave me the ropes and gave me the... Sure, you're good, but here are the things you're not doing, and here's how we fix them. And sat me down and helped me be a musician. I like I learned to play music in school mm-hmm. in Cincinnati, and Ohio's a really good music state for uh-huh. like classical band programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sonny took all of that and went, "Great, you can play. Here's how you make music," mm-hmm. and really helped me in that way. So I sort of came up out of the blues uh, and went to school for that uh, at Berklee College of Music and. From there, discovered very quickly that I loved music production. I mm-hmm. had no idea what music production was when I went to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we may get into that more, but I 
I got there and just sort of stumbled into this thing. And then all of a sudden was like, huh, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to make pop music. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which and, is quite a way to come from like, you know, <laughs> blues and jazz. And, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love, I still love jazz. I still love the blues. I play the blues and rock and roll uh, influenced blues music all the time. Uh, I do a lot of my touring uh, with a girl named B. Taylor. Yes. Here mm-hmm. in town. Fantastic. Just a fantastic. Uh, voice and songwriter for the ages uh really brings energy to shows and gives me the opportunity to bring some of that energy that i harnessed in the blues scene uh and bring that back to the more modern uh rock and new orleans based music that she's making uh the blues has really stayed with me through it all but i I sort of got estranged some and still love traditional jazz music, uh, but the jazz scene in Boston got so heady Mm -hmm. uh, that the music, for me personally, stopped being about the audience and started being about the player. And I was always about that audience interaction, Mm -hmm. uh, which is sort of how I wandered to pop uh, and funk specifically first. I came from blues through funk to the Mm -hmm. pop world. Yeah. Uh, and really seeing what was interacting with my audiences in Boston, which is a very young, college-driven town. Mm-hmm. I learned to play that whole genre there and then began producing music. Uh, that sort of spells influences. I guess if I have to like name specific people, uh, Pharrell Williams mm-hmm. comes immediately to mind, who's done the whole world of it. Uh, Mark Ronson, uh-huh. who does a lot of funk crossover with his pop music. And uh, I mean, the name speaks for itself, but just mm-hmm. an amazing record producer. Uh-huh. And then I, from the saxophone world specifically, Kirk Whalem, mm-hmm. uh, who is a gospel jazz and R&B horn player who played in the L.A. record shop. And I actually had the opportunity to see him play down in Memphis mm-hmm. uh, with Larry Carlton, who's a guitar great from the L.A. record shop as well. Uh, actually traveled with Larry on that trip and mm-hmm. got to spend all day with those guys and really uh, meet some legends, which mm-hmm. was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And so you've, uh, like so many of us, wound up here in Nashville, and we all kind of have our story of what led us here. So what led you here? And what has the experience been like for you? Uh, So why Nashville has always been like a tricky question for me, because I was a New York guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I was going to finish school and go to New York City. I was going to New York City. I was going to New York City. Uh And this is silly and non-music related, but man... Boston had the worst winter in the history of Boston in 2015. Uh-huh. And I needed out yeah. of the Northeast. That was a rough winter across the Northeast. But yeah. Boston, I remember especially getting wild. We got 121 or something inches of snow. Like, it wasn't gone until May, Yeah, right? it was insane. I remember that. We couldn't, like, there were literal weeks where, like, outside was just ice. Mm-hmm. You were going to walk across iced sidewalks everywhere. There yeah. were snow piles above my head. Mm-hmm. I'm six foot five since this is an audio medium. We're talking about those kinds of yeah. snow piles. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember that, yeah. Just, just insanity. And, man, like. Uh, L.A. obviously being the other option uh, for a pop guy, except I'm from Cincinnati and I didn't want to get that far from family right, right. away. Yeah. Uh, and that's just the truth of it. And I was like, all right, I guess we're going to make Nashville work. We're mm-hmm. going to figure out what's going on there. And, man, I, I'm so glad I did because mm-hmm. uh, I've made so many meaningful connections. And I 
I would not be in the position that I am in today had I not walked the path that I've walked in this town. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, like, as you're kind of figuring out where you're going to go, like, there are all those other options, right? And LA's mm-hmm. all the way out there. You know, it's all, yeah. I'm, I'm an East Coast guy myself. You want to talk about that winter of 2015? I remember it being below zero for like three months in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> but like, New York was obviously. Must have been nice. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> I could only imagine what it was like up in New England. But like, I, I, I remember thinking about New York, but it just started making sense to come here, mm-hmm. right? So like, what have you learned about Nashville and the industry, you know, that maybe you wish you knew before coming here? I, so, so many things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the first and foremost one, and this was a transition that if any East Coasters are making to Nashville, uh lead with conversation not business mm-hmm. which is backwards of boston right mm-hmm. like people do business and become friends yes in boston mm-hmm. people become friends then do business in the south exactly uh and that was like i got in some trouble when i got mm-hmm. to town people thought i was angry all the time uh-huh. mostly because i said fuck a lot <laughs> like a lot yeah and yeah it was just like that was just a way of speech and people are mm-hmm. like why are you angry and i'm like i'm not i'm just like i'm just saying words that's why, it that's why it. do you think i'm angry that's been an adjustment for me too growing up in the shadow of new york with mm-hmm. philly also not far away yeah people don't swear down here like not unless they're angry much. yeah yeah oh, and it's yeah. just that that adjustment was important and it's it sort of trickles across the industry here. Uh, I worked at a booking agency under Robert Williams, who is an old mogul uh, worth looking up, uh, managed just so many major acts and Spotlight Entertainment, which used to be one of the biggest agencies in the country out of uh-huh. New York. And Robert told me this is a small town. Uh, this is a small town vibe in a big town, right? So still, mm-hmm. everyone knows when you've done something. Yeah. And it's quiet. Uh-huh. And they're not talking about it to you. Uh-huh. But when something happens, yeah. The people around you and the circles you run in and the people around them and those circles that grow progressively larger to encompass this industry yeah. know. Yeah. Uh and in that way, Nashville can be very gatekeepered. Uh-huh. Because you have to talk your way into some of those circles to start. Yeah. Uh, which is both good and bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can weed out people that just aren't good people. Right. Or at least aren't good at faking it because there are definitely some yeah. people that aren't good people in the industry. I right. Like, duh. Like, like uh, any industry, you know. But it it means that you have to at least present yourself in a friendly, amiable we're in this as a team, let's be friends and play golf and frisbee golf. And mm-hmm. sh- there's a there's a songwriter's basketball game in town. Is there really? Yeah. Oh, I need in. some publishing deal songwriters. I hear it's very hard to get into. Oh, really? I've been trying to talk my way into it. Uh, but I don't like, I know somebody who knows somebody that knows about that game kind of deal. Oh, uh, yeah. I just want to play. I so know. I put it on the radio <laughs> so that that guy will never let me in because mm-hmm. I don't, and now I made his basketball game public. But, you know, I, that kind of stuff, like, it's like mm-hmm. people get together and do stuff that's not music mm-hmm. so that they can get together and make music. Right. Later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the circles that you're trying to get into and that you need to talk your way into know about you. Mm hmm. Before you ever get to them. Absolutely. You know? 
Especially if you're going to get into them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Like, they're already aware of what you're doing. Like, on a level that you don't even realize. And it could be pretty intimidating, I think. You know, like... Absolutely. I have no idea who's listening to the show to a degree. I have no idea who's looking at UMC to a degree. Yeah. So, very important to put the best out there at all times. To represent oh, the brand in the best way at all times. Because it all comes back to the person or people behind a project, right? Yeah, you don't, you don't want to pull any stunts. You don't want to do anything that's like... Uh, stunts may be the wrong word. You don't want to pull anything that's like gonna hurt that reputation. Exactly. Or be outside of that brand because you you want people to know reliable good product is coming from X. Because mm-hmm. reliable good product happening repeatedly does get noticed in this town, which is part of why they call it a five year town. It's like you're building that brand mm-hmm. for those five years. Yeah, and I think it does take that long to a degree because also there are a lot of people who come here for a year or two and then mm-hmm. leave. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of people who come here with the big dreams, and they don't really have a plan to execute those big dreams. Yep. So what happens is they kind of run into a wall, and from there it's a decision of, well, I'm going to find another way, or maybe this isn't for me, and I'm going to go back and be the big fish in my small pond. Absolutely, and it's uh, it's tricky, right? Because you want you want success, and you want at the end of the day recognition and money for your art and your craft and what Mm -hmm. you're doing and nashville is not friendly to brand new artists making money Mm -hmm. it's just not right i like even live performance Mm -hmm. is not a high dollar industry in this town you got to play for tips and you got to play covers which was very surprising to me when i came here Mm -hmm. you know i figured oh well in nashville i bet everyone gets paid i can't i come here and i'm talking to people i'm like what do you mean there are like very few the artists are paying to get play time yeah Yeah. it's it's insanity i it makes me kind of mad i i grew up again in cincinnati and like the blue scene i could pull 500 a show for my like high school blues bands mm-hmm. all over town, just bars on bars on bars. Cincinnati has a thriving rock music scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I get to Nashville, this town of professionals, and it's so oversaturated that too many people have said yes to that. Uh-huh. And like you shoot yourself in the foot every time you agree to pay to play your own music. Mm-hmm. Right. Not yeah. to put on an event. But mm-hmm. to provide entertainment to a venue. To provide a service to yeah. a venue. You're going to pay to do it. Yeah, instead of getting compensated for your service. And that, I get it if you're like hosting an event, like it's uh, at VMM Productions, which mm-hmm. is the writing company that I run. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be having a writer's night, and mm-hmm. like I'm putting on that event right. to showcase my things. Okay. Yes, I will pay your venue to put on my event. Right, exactly. But, like, for the artists, mm-hmm. I'm not asking the artists to then pay that event fee. Right. Right? Like, right. I know you do a similar thing uh, at uh, Douglas Corner. Yeah, and there's uh, a production fee, and it's with fine. The underground round, and that's, yeah. like, that's your event. Yeah. But the artists aren't paying to, exactly. like, perform at that event because they're doing you a service. Yeah, not exactly. The other way around, it's yeah. and that's it's so backwards uh, yeah. for young artists, and that that can make like I know if I were like if I had specifically been like I'm a live performer mm-hmm. and I moved to this town and a year in that's what I had learned, shoot, that'd be disheartening for me too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The thing is, the touring money's on the road. Mm-hmm. Exactly this is right. A great touring city because we're within six hours of like 
literally 15 to 25 great cities to play money, music in and make money. Atlanta, you have Asheville not far from Asheville, here. Asheville, Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Um, Lexington, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, Indianapolis, Chicago, mm-hmm. St. Louis, uh, Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a whole list. Athens, Ohio is a college town. A lot of people don't know a ton uh-huh. about, but great venues. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Beckwith, who you had uh, yeah. on the Quinspin, was mm-hmm. uh, this past April, that would be April 2019, we played at a brewery mm-hmm. in Athens, Ohio. Got paid to be there because, yeah. duh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's like... If you're a touring musician in Nashville, you got to aim outside of Nashville right. to make that income. Right, right, right. Uh, and I can definitely see where that's disheartening mm. when you've like just moved to town. Yeah, yeah. I think if you treat Nashville as an incubator, though, mm-hmm. you know, this is where you meet people and you hone your craft and you get your sound yeah. right. And you absolutely like, that's the best thing you can do coming in here. Treat this as an incubator, but like. It's like living anywhere else in the sense of, like, you don't just want to stay there. Yeah. No matter where you live, whether it's Nashville or Cincinnati or Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, where I moved here from or wherever, if you just stay there, you're only going to be limited to the opportunities that are there. Mm-hmm. And depending where you're from, they might not be that many. But the key to coming here is understanding the resources around you. Yeah. So when you go out, you're able to then leverage that to have a successful career mm-hmm touring to you know to build that following you know you're here and just being associated with this city means something to people on the outside like Absolutely. oh nashville base like they must Definitely. be serious they must be good so it when makes you, you look like a professional artist just because you have nashville based on the front of it exactly exactly so then when you take that out into the world people are already immediately more receptive to hearing your music to hearing what you have to say so if you're able to use nashville you know in your time here as an incubator you know, mm-hmm. and to build your relationships, to really work on your craft. And, like, you get a world-class music industry education in this city that I don't know you could get anywhere else. Definitely. You know, both in the sense of possibility but also reality, mm-hmm. you know. You're able to then use that in the rest of the world, and you have a leg up in the market at that point. Yeah, and it's – hey, somebody told me once that Nashville's where you get better. Mm-hmm. That has rung so true. Yeah. Because I know uh, as a producer, when I moved to town, I was like, we're going to do these production processes. They're going to take three to six months, and we're going to have five just fantastic songs. And that Mm -hmm. is great. This town, man, there are guys making demos in four hours that are in films. Mm -hmm. And that, like, that was a learning curve. Uh-huh. I had to catch up. Yep. I had learned mm-hmm. the traditional record producer method, mm-hmm. and I still love it. I love to get into the nitty-gritty and make the details happen, but also, like, uh, I've got a song that we'll know for certain uh, by the time this comes out uh, that's been placed with a Netflix show mm-hmm. unofficially. Uh, I won't name the show because that's as much as I'm allowed to say. Right. We did that song in four hours. Mm-hmm. wrote it mixed it mastered it yeah it got placed mm-hmm. and that like i never could have right there's no way in 2016 when i moved to nashville mm-hmm. there's no way i ever could have done that right and now like it's a major piece of my life the entire uh vmm productions uh which i guess i'll spell out once is uh vincent mundum et musica which is latin for conquers the world with music mm-hmm 
uh, team is an assembly of me and eight other writers that are just fantastic at their craft, and we can do that. We make music in Mm -hmm. four to five hours that is at quality to be placed with artists, to be placed with films, Mm -hmm. to be in advertisements, uh, and really focus in uh, on that part of the craft because Mm -hmm. it's such a big piece of the industry right now is just simply – Turnaround time at professional grade. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to be on top of it. And I, it's because of the home studio craze. Mm-hmm. Um, I say while we sit in this beautiful recording studio built in a place called home, <laughs> yeah, a place called home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the home studio craze and like Billie Eilish did the entire number one record on a UAD Apollo twin, mm-hmm. uh, which is what I work off of. Uh-huh. Uh, and that like, move to you can do it from your house has really made it's blown it open we gotta we all gotta be able to do this on a timeline that Mm -hmm. is ridiculous yeah because if you're not releasing product you're not keeping up with this industry Mm -hmm. right now exactly and i think coming here too like helps you realize what you need to do in your line of work and your piece of Mm -hmm. this to keep up with the industry it helps you identify okay what gaps are there you know, between where I am and where I need to be. Mm-hmm. You know, when I came here, I'd probably tell this story on almost every episode. You could probably have a drinking game if you listen to enough of these episodes or the things I come back to. But when I came in, you know, I moved here the Monday after Thanksgiving 2018. I came to Balance Breakfast Friday, and I didn't. I barely said a word. Because I'm like, let me listen. Like, let me, let me find out, like, what people are even talking about. Because, like, this is the actual industry now. Like, back in Pennsylvania, with all due respect, it's not there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like people aren't having those higher level thought leader conversations yeah. about the industry. And what I found to my pleasant surprise was, okay, like the mindset's there. It's just like, okay, but is the skill good enough? And then mm-hmm. it's like, I go out, just take my camera out, shoot a couple shows. I'm like, oh shoot, this big band is retweeting my photos. All right. I guess I'm okay at this. You know, like yeah. from there you get those early reassurances, and but like you need to come here and learn. You need to come here and identify the holes in your game and what Mm -hmm. you need to do to address them the right way and come here humbly. Come here humbly. Don't come in from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania and blow in the door and be like, oh, let me tell you all something. No. Come here, put your learning cap on, and just listen. Absolutely. Big ears. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I was fortunate to have opportunities when I first got to town. I worked at uh, the parlor. Uh, which is run by Larry Sheridan and his wife uh, at Music Row. And I'd never seen anything like it. The first day I walked into a recording session, I was assisting the engineer, uh, second engineering, and we got the whole thing set up. And they walked in and they did, no joke, 14 demos in four hours. They demoed an entire album for these L.A. artists that had flown into town in four hours. And they weren't like they weren't done productions, Mm -hmm. but they were workable live band demos to start done productions from for everything. All the basics, all the lead guitar parts. Mm -hmm. uh, They just they'd go through. They'd sit down, listen to the song twice, Mm -hmm. uh, write the chart the second time and take a couple notes, go in two takes Walk back in, listen, go, all right, we got to fix this, this, and this. And that was it. Wow. Uh, and I had never seen anything like that. It blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I like, I went to school with musicians that are supposed to be the best musicians in our age around. And, like, I did. I dealt with, like, 
I played in a band with uh, the bass player for the Village people mm-hmm. currently, uh, J. Scott Martin, uh, O'Neill Palmer, who's just an amazing keys player that's been on tour with a handful of various big pop artists from L.A.'s area, uh, and just a bunch of other people like that. And I got to town and like watched these guys do this whole album in four hours and went, I got to catch up. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And just listen to them. Mm-hmm. I learned number charts working at that studio. Uh, and that's that's what we're talking about, right? Like listening to these people that have been at it for uh-huh. 30 years. Yep. You get the chance to just listen to somebody that's been at it for 30 years in this town. And they come more readily than you'd think if mm-hmm. you're open to them. There's endless knowledge there yes. of the yes. industry and what happens and how to go forward and uh, – I've I've been so fortunate to get the opportunity to talk to a lot of those people. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Build my life and career around their advice with my own like what I want from it mixed in there. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, you're never done learning, right? Mm-hmm. You're never done learning. Like, there's always somebody you can learn from. There's always somebody who knows something you don't. There are people younger than you, maybe less experienced than you in the conventional like months and years sense that might know something about a certain piece of technology that you haven't had the chance to go back and catch up. You know, because like I find being in my 30s, you know, like, okay, like I came up in the social media age of Facebook and Instagram, you know, getting big and Twitter. Yeah. TikTok is uncharted territory for me, you know? Yeah. So like, I would love it if one of these younger millennials, or I guess it would even be Gen Z, would come in and teach me about TikTok. Yeah. There's always something you can learn and you can learn from something from everybody around you. And it's so, it's such an important just notion to have an important mm-hmm. skill to have is just listening, especially in a I place think, like this. I think another thing, like just jumping immediately off of that, like, cause you brought up TikTok and God, I hate social media. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible at it. It's important for me personally. And in a town like this to also be aware of what you can't do mm-hmm. and get people to do that. Yeah. Right. And like mm-hmm. find a team of people that fills your gaps. Know what your weaknesses are. Yeah. Know what your weaknesses it's are. It's important. And like, I I am just a terrible social media marketer. Mm-hmm. I, I truly don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And because I don't enjoy it, my content comes through either as rushed mm-hmm. or standoffish. Right. Neither of which are things I want to present myself to the world as. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Thankfully, most of where I present myself to the world is in other people's art mm-hmm. uh, and music and uh, the producer role allows me to be like, you, you run your social media. Great. I love your music. You're going to speak this into existence for me and I'll just reshare it. Uh-huh. I'm great at resharing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you tag me in something, I will share it. Yeah. Uh, sh- and just get it in front of more eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's like with that, be humble and listen, listen to mm-hmm. what the people around you can do that yeah. you can't. Yeah, and it, it is knowing what your skills are. I mean, so, social media is an art form. And up from mm-hmm. platform to platform, there are different nuances that you need to understand. From Instagram to Facebook to now I'm sure Snapchat and TikTok now that these youngins are using out here. <laughs> but, like, also, there becomes a time constraint. As you grow and yeah. as your platform grows, like, I'll tell you right now, just right off the cuff, like, I am experiencing, like, just sensory overload of things to do right now. Yep. And I need, like... I need to start to delegate that. I need to start to find people to delegate to, you know, to where, you know, I'm building more of the vision. And as much as I love doing the content end, maybe I can delegate some of that. Yeah. And also can modernize the way we're approaching some of these platforms. Because, again, you know, I came into 
the marketing world in the middle of last decade when it was Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Now, I, I've I've leveraged Twitter pretty well over the years, but like the big two platforms for music discovery at that point were Facebook and Insta. Mm-hmm. Now you have people using Snapchat and TikTok and all this stuff, and it's like yeah, TikTok's TikTok's a new bubble. I. I'm interested to see where TikTok goes. I could see it going the way of Vine mm-hmm. and getting absorbed by like a Facebook. Yeah. So that you can do like TikTok style stories on mm-hmm. Facebook and they have all the application that they own the software yeah. to then. Because uh, Vine was a craze, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, I'm very interested to see if TikTok is a real legit here to stay social mm-hmm. media platform yeah. or if it's going to be that sort of craze. Right. Uh, but right. man, is it important right now? Yeah. Regardless of that, like oh yeah, sitting in this chair today, TikTok is a thing that I am not doing that I need someone to be doing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm distributing to it. My mm-hmm. music's on TikTok. Uh-huh. So somebody yeah. posts some really lame video with a Jason Threm produced song on TikTok for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Tag me in it, and I'll share it. There you go. <laughs> Again, going back to that resharing, you know. Yeah. But one thing I also don't understand why people resist the new platform. Like, and I, I've been guilty of this in the past, and I was guilty of this in the past of all things with Instagram, because I'm used to doing everything on the laptop. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to have to use my phone to post. Now I love Instagram. I love Instagram way more than I love Facebook. But you need to embrace the platforms because they're yeah. not going away. <laughs> no matter no, what, yeah. they're going to be there. And you saying on your Facebook page to your Aunt Karen how much you hate Instagram or TikTok isn't going to make the platform go away. It's just going to make you seem like a dinosaur. No, and even, <laughs> even if it were to, like, if TikTok were to go the way of Vine, something would replace it. Exactly. There's, there is something new coming that a generation below you is going to love that you're not going to understand it. It's going to be important for business. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to learn to understand it or get someone who does. Yeah, and the truth of it is in all marketing, like general demographic is what, 15 to 45? Like, yeah. That's mm-hmm. what we're trying to hit people. Exactly. Uh, now, if your demographics are older than that, yeah, you probably shouldn't be wasting time on TikTok. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you want to reach 15-year-olds right now, you better have TikTok. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. And understanding those things is important. And if you don't, again, find somebody that does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and it goes beyond social media, I think, too, to something like streaming mm-hmm. right now. You know, like, I know so many people who resist the streaming thing. And like, oh, well, I'm just going to I'm just gonna sell CDs. I'm gonna, I don't need to be dealing with all that Spotify stuff. Now, is Spotify's business model perfect, especially when it comes to paying sure musicians? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. But the fact of the matter is there's a game to learn and to play there yeah. that you best be learning because that same demographic you just mentioned, that mm-hmm. 15 to 45, they're not buying CDs. They're not listening to FM radio. They're more likely to buy vinyl. Yeah, if they're going to buy something. Yeah. Uh, But they're more likely to buy vinyl. And yeah, it's a. I resisted Spotify when Mm -hmm. it started. I resisted Spotify under the terms of they don't pay artists well enough. But man, where I'm sitting today, artists don't get paid from streams, they don't get paid from sales. Artists get paid on the road. Mm -hmm. Spotify is a marketing tool. Yeah. It's it's your job to get your song heard a million times on Spotify so that you can go, all right, we've got 10,000 fans in Seattle, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. can sell out this stadium. Mm-hmm. 10,000 is probably a little high for a million streams, but still, like, 1,000 fans in Seattle, great. We can sell out a major theater in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, we might even be able to do two nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two 400-seat nights, make a good check. Yeah. We know that because of Spotify and exactly. analytics. Mm-hmm. Uh 
yeah, that's that million streams is like ten grand on Spotify. And by the time that gets back to the artist after all the splits and record labels and publishing companies, it's going to be four grand. You can't expect to make your living off of that, but it's a tool at your yeah. disposal. It's a tool of the trade. But it, it gets you. It gets you in front of people, uh-huh. and it gets you in front of people at no cost to them. Yeah, which is a difference, right? It used to be, we complain about it, but it used to be unless a record label backed your CD, mm-hmm. how's anybody going to know about it? Right, exactly. Record labels sent your CDs to stores, yeah, and paid to have them put in the front and advertised and mm-hmm. shown off and prettied up. Well, now we do that with Spotify. Yeah, and the great part is now you don't need anybody to handle the promotion. Yep. You know, and, you know, again, assuming you like doing it yourself, if you know, you could just bring somebody in, but you don't need that big company backing you is what I'm yeah. trying to say. You can handle it in house. Yeah. And that just takes this whole bunch of guesswork out of it. I mean, yeah, there's a learning curve to learning how to leverage the platforms properly, but that that's one part of it. So you can focus on creating, you can focus on, you can focus on strategy and vision of what you're doing Absolutely. as well as writing the songs and putting them out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think. You know, it's not useful to just resist the march of time, you know, like if if you're resisting these platforms and saying you're not going to use them for this reason or that reason, you're only hurting yourself in the long run. Yeah. And then again, content that keeps people coming back. Like it's I I said that consistency of content matters. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I meant that like the Spotify game is a singles game right now for a reason. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And that reason being that. I every time I release a single, it can hit that Discover Weekly playlist. Mm-hmm. It can hit that Release Radar playlist. And like, I've seen artists get from, well, I have less than 1,000 plays a song to like, I'm on people's Discover Weeklies now and I average 10,000 plus. Yeah. And I know 10,000 plus is not a ton, mm-hmm. but it's a start. Yeah. Uh, and those things, they start to tick over when you build that momentum. So it's about consistency of content or... Mm-hmm. If you want to get rebellious and you want to run away from Spotify, give me a reason. We're working on a full-length record right now uh, for a guy named Cody Brooks that I work with and play with. And mm-hmm. like that particular album is going to do great on vinyl mm-hmm. because it's a great audiophile record. Yeah, People that love vinyl will love that record. Mm-hmm. And man, I, that's the reason, right? Provide the reason. Right. Uh, if you want to get away from Spotify, but still play the game some. Yeah. Or and, provide other content. Yeah. You know, like put something else there. Yeah. Uh, but make sure that you're attacking the I need. Why am I listening to your music question? Right. Like you got to be attacking the why am I listening to your music question? Yeah. Yeah. And that's like a thing that can be hard for artists, I think, because a lot of people want to make music for them right and i respect that and if that's how you feel wonderful get a producer Mm -hmm. that will attack the why am i listening to your music question yeah and is excited about your art because part of my job is to take artistic vision and keep it in line with what can reach audience right right and make sure that there's some crossover into the is it commercial no okay Where's the market? Mm-hmm. Great. Is it commercial for that market? Right. Great. We're on par with that. Uh-huh. And let's attack that. And this mm-hmm. is brand. And a producer's job is not branding and marketing, but a producer's job is to make sure the product can be branded and marketed. Right. To the market. Yeah. 
you know, which it is directed toward. Yeah. You know, and figuring out where those people are, what resonates with those people, and beyond just music, what kind of content do they like? Yeah. You know, do they gravitate more toward the video content, you yeah. know, the live in-studio videos, you know, the live performances, that kind of thing. Like, what makes them tick and hit them where they are? Yeah. You know, don't expect them to come to you. You got to hit them where they are. Because if you expect them to come to you, you're going to have seven monthly plays, you know? Especially at first. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, the Bruno Mars story always comes to mind for me. Uh, Bruno Mars released Doo-Wops and Hooligans, right, mm-hmm. in what would have been 2010? Yeah, yeah, Somewhere yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Lazy Song and Grenade, these, uh-huh. like, really singer-songwriter pop pop songs. Uh-huh. Uh, fantastic songs. In my opinion, Bruno Mars' worst work. Uh Bruno Mars went to a label with Unorthodox Jukebox, which is his second album, mm-hmm. as like a, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And they said, it's too diverse. Mm-hmm. We need you to find an audience. So Doo-Wops and Hooligans happens. Mm-hmm. They find the audience. Then they diversify. Uh-huh. Right? So you go from Doo-Wops and Hooligans, this very pop thing, to Unorthodox Jukebox was literally... 13 genres on 13 tracks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people loved it. Mm-hmm. And they loved it because they already loved Bruno Mars. Yeah. And he could do all of those things mm-hmm. at a top tier quality. Mm-hmm. And you have to have that starting point, though, first. Yeah. That, this is who I am. This is the bi- This is the jumping off point. This is the base. And then you go out. Another artist I this go to. This is why you come to me. Exactly. Like Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Brilliant at that. You know, she, she did the top 40 pop thing. You know, she... Yep. she Got tons of radio play, went on, sold out worldwide tours, did this, that, and the other thing, and she's still doing that. But now she's made her money and she could do whatever she wants. Yep. She can release an album with Tony Bennett. She can do a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, she she can do literally anything she wants. And people are going to go to it, not because it's necessarily trendy, but because it's her. Yeah. It's a, she's become the trend. Exactly. Exactly. She has eclipsed the need to provide what's expected which part of her whole thing was always providing what was unexpected right but, yeah uh did you know she's a juilliard trained classical yes pianist? yes i did yeah i just i love that fact yeah because it's like this is one of the best musicians on the planet i've always had a ton of respect for her yeah you know because- she's like she she wore a meat suit yeah. Right. It's, yeah. It says <laughs> she it knew what says she was so do- much about what you have to be willing to do. Yeah. She knew what she was doing in the sense of how do I get attention? How do I get eyes on me? How do I get ears on me? And it's like this is what I actually have to offer you, like the meat suit and all that. Like all well and good, fun. You know. I mean, even you know those first couple records were awesome pop yep. records. But now it's like, hey, I'm so much more than all of this. Mm-hmm. Like shock value. Like, here's what I am. I think yeah. another artist who, over the years, has done a great job of this is Justin Timberlake. Because mm-hmm. he starts out, you know, Mickey Mouse Club and NSYNC. And NSYNC is obviously this very, you know, manufactured in a box kind of thing. Yeah. He goes out on his own and he hit it at the right time. Right after NSYNC breaks up, he's like, I'm going to do my own thing. It's a little bit different. Next album's a little bit different from that. And then he takes a break because he's like, you know what? the the Where pop is isn't where I am right now. At this point, he's made his money. Yep. He has his name. So when the next thing drops, which is 2020 Experience in 2012, 2013, I want to say that was, everybody eats it up. And it's kind of a weird album for a pop album, but it's him. Bizarre. And that's what people it was care bizarre. about. 
Yeah. It, it's it, like not it a change. Yeah. Things. Yeah. It really did. It's, it was such like an odd album, like not what you were expecting from the guy who came out with dance with me, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, it's sexy back. Yeah. It's sexy back. But like, and we get this big string intro and mm-hmm. to push your love girl. And yeah. just like, and the mirrors was on that. Album. All it's the like songs eight are long. eight minutes long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most of the songs have a part A, part B mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. Uh, just things that had, were not happening at that point. Yeah. Which is funny. Cause we like, we then swung to that into the spectrum for a couple of years and every song was four minutes mm-hmm. and now we're back extreme. Everything is two minutes right now. Yeah. And I'd imagine that here in 2020, we're going to see some swing back to songs with bridges or, uh, I think, uh, sort of the Charlie Puth chain smokers and a handful of other pop artists, Lauv, uh, method of like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, instrumental chorus mm-hmm. uh to make songs longer again will really come into fruition this year yeah i i think people are starting to really gravitate back toward that like you know wanting to hear somebody who has a lot to say mm-hmm. wanting that authenticity absolutely y- you know i feel like and with respect to all the work that's been put out by so many artists like people are kind of like okay i've heard the three minute pop song like yep. i've heard it what else is out like what more is there out there and I feel like within the artist communities that I've encountered here, within just the greater music communities, like the artists are hungry for that. Yeah. They want to get back to that. They want to really put something real and raw out there. And they don't want to feel constrained by, okay, well, this is going to get radio play or this is going to, you know, get onto this playlist. But they want it to be real. Also, well done. So it does get consideration. But they want to, they want authenticity back. I I can tell you from a producer's perspective, a big flag for me that showed that steering coming was we went so big with vocals Mm -hmm. into like 2017 yeah uh some nights by fun Mm -hmm. comes to mind shape of you by ed sheeran Uh these songs with legitimately 60 tracks of vocals Mm -hmm. uh katy perry had a few of those as well right now yeah we're back to like one vocal up the middle maybe Mm -hmm. some doubling for choruses and such Uh uh less harmonies more just lead vocal driven raw clean is a clean's the wrong word because they're still very processed but center take that mm-hmm. is like the vocal yeah and then other things for flair mm-hmm. uh, but much less of that like 80 stack chorus thing that was just everything for mm-hmm. a while and we've swung back to that much more real you could do it live at a concert uh-huh uh singular vocal feeling uh-huh. in songs yeah yeah i i really think people are uh, again just craving that you mm-hmm. know they they want to know that what they're going to see live you know is what they're going to get on the record they want yeah. it to be very close to that you know because i think you know a lot of people have kind of gotten raked over coals in the media too sometimes for like, okay, they have this hot album and then they go perform live and the vocals just ain't matching up. Mm, yeah, they can't they can't they can't do it. You know, and then um, you know, with social media and everything too, it's you know, that can really hurt your career at this point because the memes and everything else that it all only the takes one. Yeah. I, I don't wanna like name names of artists I've seen that happen to because for all I know, those people could be my next paycheck. Right. Uh but I I definitely like I specifically have like some rappers that come to mind of like their live performances got memed and played all over the internet Mm -hmm. and for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah. For like, look how off and terrible this is. Yeah. Like 
their tickets stopped selling. Mm -hmm. That's scary. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. But it also means you got to bring it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The industry is back to you got to bring it, Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. which uh, part of that is going to come naturally in the fact that artists have to build their own following before record labels make them global stars. Exactly. Exactly. So people are going to have seen you live. Yeah. They'll Mm -hmm. know before you're ever a star if you can perform live. Yeah. Yeah. like Lizzo is a great example yeah. of that, right? Living in her car for years, you know, like. And oh my God, what a voice! Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, and the whole catalog, uh, that one kind of pissed me off. When I found out about Lizzo, I was like, it was so good, I was mad about it. <laughs> uh, which is just like, that's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, my wife sort of stumbled on the Lizzo through Truth Hurts, uh-huh. and then one day her and I got listening, and we sat there and we listened to like everything Lizzo had ever done and just song after song after song. I'm mm-hmm. like, these songs are great. Mm-hmm. These productions are great. Uh-huh. Her voice is great. Uh-huh. This is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Damn it, I didn't do it. Uh, <laughs> kind of deal. Yeah. She, um, she's an interesting case though because like she has a potential to do that Lady Gaga thing and go that route where it's yeah. like, okay, like I'm fulfilling this image and I'm doing all these wild things at basketball games and whatever right now. But then, like ten years later, like people will resonate. You know, people resonate with her because it's mm-hmm. her, not oh, because absolutely. she's following a trend. I think, you know, and I'm sure she's aware of that too. Like, who am I to be giving Lizzo career advice? But I'd love to see that happen, where it's like it evolves in that way, that same vein yeah. of Lady Gaga, Justin Timberlake, where it's like, okay, y'all knew me as this, but here's everything else I have going on. You know, I think the Lady Gaga Tony Bennett equivalent there. I, I hope I'm right about this. I believe she's from Houston. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The the equivalent of the Lady Gaga thing there would be for her to do a Red Dirt country album. Uh huh. Would just be ridiculous. Oh she, yeah. She won't. I'm sure because that would be silly. But the Tony Bennett jazz album makes me think like she could get into some country. She could get into some like New Orleans jazz. Yeah. Like do but something it, weird ten years from now. And, yeah. In a suit. Yeah. Instead of like showing everything off and being big brash Lizzo she could just be like all right and jazz to that point though whoever thought Lady Gaga was going to do an album with Tony Bennett yeah like that came out of left field to me that was what 2014 and I'm like I I was looking for Lady Gaga on Spotify one night for some reason like she did an album with Tony Bennett like that's (laughs) how I found it I'm like I'm listening to it I'm like Oh my god, this is the best thing she's ever done. It's, like, it's so good. Too. Oh my god. Looking toward the future now mm-hmm. and toward in, into 2020 in general, we're a little the way through the year, but still a lot to go. You've obviously had a chance to get some work out there. Elizabeth Beckwith just released mm-hmm. uh, Other Side of Sober uh, not too long ago and some other things coming up here too. So talk about what the year looks like for you and where it's kind of led you so far to this point. Well, man, and this is one of those like – I only got here because I didn't plan it. Uh-huh. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, but I am upwriting as we speak a company called VMM Productions. And when this episode uh, drops, uh, we'll be up and running and cranking. And the VMM Productions, like I said, uh, Vincent Mundum at Musica is Music Conquers the World, the Idea is simply that I've put together a team full of just fantastic songwriters, and we are going to make so much important, meaningful music this year, uh, and really focused on getting that in front of ears for film and television and artist placement uh, to help really grow 
what has begun for me here in town. Um, I work with some sync agents to get songs pitched, uh, and the back end of this year is really just going to be about that. I am trying to grow that off the ground so that everybody involved with it is seeing returns. Uh, We're working on getting in to do soundtracks for some indie films. Uh, I'd like to have done two or three indie film soundtracks at the end of the year. Uh, Doing all this music and creating music uh, just like eight hours a day, multiple days a week at professional quality and grade. Um, I don't want anybody to think of that particular venture as a like sync music company because we're never going to sit down and write a song because it checks X, Y, and Z boxes for sync. Right. Uh, we're going to sit down and write great songs and then deal with where they go afterwards. Right. Because uh, I'm just a firm believer that the music has to be first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is this is my venture and my like leap of faith. Uh, those songs must be fantastic first. Yeah. And from there, as a producer, uh, I've got a... We're on EP number three for Elizabeth Beckwith. Mm -hmm. She will have Other Side of Sober has been out for a little bit now. And that is just a collection of just fantastic work. Uh, We really got to dig into some deeply emotional stuff and Mm -hmm. capitalize on the dark pop movement for somebody that's got a lot of raw energy and feel. Uh, in a way that I'm very excited to share with the world. Yeah. Uh, my boy Decree. Decree. Love Decree. Uh, he's coming I, on the show, too. I know you've, here. Done a, yeah. you've done a handful of songs with him. He's going to have... Hmm, should I drop this on him? I'm going to drop this on him. He's going to have a mixtape out this year Yeah. Uh, that we've worked on some songs for. He's, man, that man, uh, he is always working. And I he will is. give him that... Uh, he works as hard as anybody I know mm-hmm. and just has a mountain of music ready to go for the world. Yeah. Uh, and a, a few other artists, uh, like I said, I'm working on a full length and, and uh, with a guy named Cody Brooks who's just a fantastic guitar player, mm-hmm. uh, songwriter, and I don't know from there where the rest of it's going to take me productions-wise because I haven't met all of the people I'm going to work with yet Right. this year. Uh, yeah. But I will, mm-hmm. uh, and I would love to connect with more people and find other people's music that I'm really excited about because that's the big thing for me this year is uh, I did the hustle. I did the I'll make any record because I need to pay rent. I'll make any beat because I need to pay rent. And, man, that's just not where it was at for me personally. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I get that, but I I need to be excited about the music. I need to be excited about what we're doing, and I need to see the vision. Uh, that is what 2020 is about for me. It's about seeing that vision of fantastic music and delivering that vision to people. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you're working, too, with people who are just as passionate and driven in that regard, too. Mm-hmm. And who are really stepping into their own voices and trying to, you know, and continuing to find their way. Like Elizabeth, I think, you know, just keeps getting better and better, you know, the things yeah, she's putting out. Yeah, it's been such a cool evolution. Yeah. Uh, I did not produce the full-length album she did when she got to town. Uh, Tommy Leland mm-hmm. and Rob Golseth of then Big Punch Music, both still fantastic musicians working around town, uh, did that record. 
uh and it was very like americana crossover mm-hmm. singer songwriter pop yeah uh and then the first ep liz uh, sorry elizabeth and i did together she was like well can we get more pop and then she was like well can we get even more pop on the next record mm-hmm. and this time it was like all right we're gonna co-write all of these songs uh she top lined everything so uh in the room i made beats she made top line mm-hmm. and then we'd sit down and figure out the rest of the details together get these songs together and like really do it the pop way and now mm-hmm. we've got this big powerful pop ep and there are more plans in the tank and that evolution for her is going to continue yeah uh also while i'm on elizabeth feckwood i gotta shout out uh sad girl music and what yes. she's doing there yeah uh she's really raised quite the community here mm-hmm. in Nashville yeah. uh, to empower female artists and have a stage to perform on uh, where they don't have to pay to play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a very also important here one. on helping music here at helping music evolve. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's incredible what she's doing with that community yeah, too. Cause like, it's been great to see. Yeah, And she's pulling artists from every like walk of musical mm-hmm. life, you know, like it'll be a blues and soul and jazz night. Then it'll be a pop night. Like, and she's finding these just incredible vocalists, these incredible yep. talents with so much to say, you know, it's really fun to be able to pop in one of those when I can and just hear somebody new that I haven't heard before and just be completely blown away every time. Like she curates these lineups in such a way that like, you're going to leave here feeling like, wow, I just saw on her the next big thing. Yeah. Like from B Taylor, you know, to uh, Sarah Ferris, I thought was fantastic at that last uh, Sad Girl Night in December. Um, yeah, as I wasn't there. Yeah. I, she... I, was, I was at a good friend's wedding, unfortunately. It's right, like, yeah. It's, no, not unfortunately. The wedding was awesome, but it's it's the first Sad Girl Night I've missed. Right. I, uh, Elizabeth is a very dear old friend of mine. Uh-huh. Uh, so I've really tried to be out and support that. Yeah, 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 man. It's it's absolutely awesome, and I, you're right. Just quality artists, uh, powerful female performers with fantastic voices, delivering mm-hmm. real message, real song, real organic shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been really cool to see it evolve from the small room to the big room, and uh-huh. like people show up. There's always thirty, forty people there, and it's really become an event. Like yeah. it's an appointment kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And it is because of that community, you know, because of how welcoming it is. And people know that they're going to get quality when they show up on top of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I do want to just give a shout out to Decree, too, because he works so hard. I, the first conversation <laughs> I had with him, and like, you could just tell, like, he wants this and he's going to stop at nothing. And he's his talents are so versatile, you know, mm-hmm. like he has so many different interests and influences. And you hear that come through every single time. Like he gives you something a little different every time. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I I've been encouraging him to embrace Detroit some, where he's from. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to get a little Motown influence into to some of the new Jack Swing and hip hop stuff he's doing, and it's it's yeah. been really cool. That man can write anything. Mm-hmm. And one of the fun things about his vision and where we have to take that is we have to find what that means. Yeah, right, like. Uh, and it's been fantastic to work with him in that process because he does. He works so hard and mm-hmm. he has songs that people will probably never hear until he's able to drop the 
Lady Gaga, Tony Bennett album. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everyone's got to get that. Like, that's like actualization is the Lady Gaga, Tony Bennett album. Whatever that means for you as an artist. <laughs> yeah. The, the chance to do just art for art's sake. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is just a fantastic feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I think this is the top we were on. The rest of the only other thing I'm looking forward to in 2020 is I played 100 shows in 2019 mm-hmm. uh, as a touring musician and a saxophone player. And. Uh, I look forward to doing the same and seeing you guys in Chicago and Cincinnati and Lexington and Somerset, Kentucky again, uh, and really getting around the region. And uh, it's a great thing. I I take all my studio equipment with me. We do productions on the road, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a great thing to get to see the country and tour uh, with B. Taylor, who you've mentioned is fantastic. Yeah, uh, and really get to be a part of those shows because that is just such a pure organic energy that is always refreshing and always keeps my head on straight Mm -hmm. i know why i'm here and i know why i'm doing it yeah 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 well best of luck to you here in 2020 and beyond we have jason threm joining us here on the quinspin before i let you go first of all thank you for joining us and let people know where they can find you online on those social media platforms. Oh man, yeah. uh, it's at Jason Threm on Instagram. It is just Jason Threm on Facebook. Uh, there is a VMM Productions website where you can track down a whole catalog of what I've done. That is vmm.productions. And instead of shouting out all 30 of the different things I do, I think I'll leave it at those. All right. That's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure you check out what Jason's doing. I mean, just phenomenal work and just a great mind behind it. You know, I you, I, I think uh, people who just got done listening to this will definitely have gotten a lot out of this conversation. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, man. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to the Quinn Spin. Two ends in Quinn, two ends in spin. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, and more also on Instagram at Quinn Spin Official, Facebook, the Quinn Spin, and Twitter at the Quinn Spin. Also go to undergroundmusiccollective.com, our central hub. That's where you can find information about upcoming episodes of The Quinn Spin, as well as everything else happening here musically in Nashville and beyond. You can also find Underground Music Collective on Instagram, at Collective on Facebook and Twitter as well. And of course on YouTube, The Real Talk video series. Make sure you watch that. Some uh, first-person insights, as well as some other video features coming out throughout the year. Make sure you tune in to The Quinn Spin later this month. Of course, we have a full slate of guests all year long two per month double the episodes as we had in 2019 for now the mad sugars we want the night they're based here in nashville and i'm gonna let them take it away
telling, there's no telling what to expect or who will meet. There's no telling. 